Mother's Day, powerful figures in our life. They are heroes, and they do have special talents and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. We've talked about this before. Our moms have eyes on the back of their head. They've got uh, a Vulcan-type hearing. They have some kind of GPS deal going on in their brain where they can locate and know what you're doing, wherever you're doing it at all times. They're powerful people. No wonder Solomon said in Proverbs 15, 20, only a fool despises his mother. Now, personally, I've looked over the years, and I think the reason why our mothers have such special talents and abilities, uh, they need them for a couple reasons. Number one, they have a very tough job. I mean, let's face it, raising some of you, uh, not all of you were as easy to raise as I was. I mean, some of the abilities and the talents your moms had, they needed just to survive you. One mother put it this way. She said, if mothering was easy, fathers would do it. I love that. And so whether you're here today as a a stay-at-home mom or a single mom or a stepmom or a mom with two jobs, we honor you. It's easy to honor you today. We thank you. You have a tough job. But not only do you have a tough job, you have the most important job on the planet. I mean, come on, mothers are what families are made of. When it comes to human relations and the people development business, nobody does it like a mother. Nobody loves and nurtures like a mother. Nobody's words of encouragement run any deeper than a mother's. Nobody. Nobody teaches like you. Nobody instills values like you. Nobody promotes dreams like you do. You're the most valuable people around. Abraham Lincoln said, everything I am and everything I ever will be, I owe to my mother. So we honor you today as a family, and we thank you. And uh, speaking of Mother's Day, I have a treat for all mothers today and non-mothers alike. Uh, We have a guest speaker this morning, my sister Claudia Mitchell, who's one of the most godly mothers on the planet, and now Nana. Claudia taught uh, elementary school at Spencer for years, and they begged her to stay, but she moved on to Ellisville Christian Church and became the best best children's minister in the Midwest uh, at that time. Today it's Jackie led them to a VBS that at one point had to be done in the high school auditorium. They became so big. Then she moved on to Sherwood Oaks Christian Church, became the women's minister there and a counselor. And now she's retired and working part-time on staff at South Union, helping us build teams and counseling. She's a wonderful, godly woman, an amazing mother, and she's got a few words to speak for us this morning. And when she's done, she's got a very special young lady who's going to come and lead us into communion. Good morning, South Union Christian Church. So good to see you this morning. You know how we Canes are. We would all like to be giving you a hug right now, but it's so good to at least have a few moments to let you know how much I love you and miss you right now. And I'm sure if my mother was here, she would be saying the same thing. You know, nothing my mother loved more than Sunday morning, listening to her favorite preacher and being with all of you. I found a journal. I thought you might like to hear what my mother had written in. Um, The journal was called Your Life Story. And one of the questions in the journal was, was, did you ever feel God had a special calling on your life? And my mother wrote, I'll just read it to you. I always wanted to be a teacher. I wasn't able to go to college. We simply didn't have the money. I am thankful God allowed me to be a mother and a wife to seek a good man. I pray that's what he had in mind for me all along. I did teach preschool for several years and Sunday school classes. 
So my mother would be so happy that we're together this morning to celebrate this special time. So if you are a mom, or you have a mom, or you're missing a mom right this minute like I am, would you turn to your mom, if you're watching now, or close to her, and say, Happy Mother's Day, Mother dear, I love you. And now we'd like to start with a prayer, and um, I hope you enjoy this. Let us pray. Father God, I am a child of God. What I am not is a homeschool teacher, God. I'm at home, but Lord, ain't no teaching going on around here. Father God, I am your humble servant. What I am not is a math teacher, God. Lord God, the spirit of common core has attacked our household. And right now, the only thing we have in common is frustration and no answer to the math problem, Lord God. I ask that you send down your angels of the carryover, Lord. Teach her that if you carry the one over to the tenth place, you can get the answer, Lord God. Lord God, I am a layman in your vineyard. What I am not is the cafeteria lady, Lord. Yet again, the devil has attacked and sent down a tapeworm onto my child, Lord God. And I need you to help her to understand, Lord, that just because there's a refrigerator don't mean the door got to be open. And just because there's a stove don't mean the eye has to be on. I am not Dennis, IHOP, Shoney's, nor Waffle House, Lord God. Lord God, right now, I need her to understand that his times are tough right now, Lord God. But I see if things continue the way that they are going, Lord God. Not only am I your child, but I'm going to be an inmate because I'm going to jail, Lord God. I, I don't look good in orange. I don't look good in a jumpsuit, Lord God. But Lord, I ask that you, that you change the way things are going right now, Father God, and bless every teacher because they got a special place in heaven. Ain't no way that I could do it, Lord God. Ain't no way. Amen. 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 You know, Mother's Day is a great day to talk about rocking chairs. I love rocking chairs. I have loved rocking chairs for as long as I can remember. When I was little, my mom said she rocked me till my feet drug the floor. And I carried on that, that tradition. I rocked my boys and my grandchildren till their feet drug the floor. I love rocking. It's amazing what happens if you put a baby in a mama's arms. Have you ever watched? No matter how old they are or even how young, a baby in a mama's arms is sort of an innate reflex and they begin to move side to side to side with a rocking motion. It always gives me a picture of Noah's Ark, the way I pictured it. The animals are all fed and sleeping and Mrs. Noah sits down in a rocking chair with her youngest and the boat is swaying side to side. The cold rain is hitting the boat. My goodness, the warmth, the protection, the love she must have felt. Makes me sleepy thinking about it right now. The rocking chair began in 1819 when Michael Thorne did some experiments with steaming and bending wood. Writers, politicians, artists have all had their pictures taken in rocking chairs. John F. Kennedy, he used the rocking chair as therapy for his back. Eisenhower, Reagan, and Mark Twain loved to rock. Abraham Lincoln loved rocking chairs so much that an American-style rocker is called the Lincoln Rocker. You know, when London was born, I took two weeks off and headed to Beloit, Wisconsin. I was invited to care for her. 
I was so excited. Part of my job was the 2 a.m. feeding. My son John gave me some strict instructions about this feeding. Now, Mom, we want you to feed London and change her diaper, feed her, and put her right to bed because we don't want her to get in the habit of being rocked every night at 2 a.m. Gotcha, son, I said. I was so excited that night. I could hardly sleep. I can remember thinking, come on, little darling, wake up. Your Nana wants to hold you. And when she did, I changed her diaper, I gave her her bottle, and I began to rock. And those sweet baby blue eyes looked up at me, and I knew she knew she was loved. I just knew it. So I started to sing. I couldn't help myself. The same song I sang to my boys, something like this. I love you and Jesus loves you and that's the way it's gonna be. And when I did, her little body relaxed and her eyes got heavy. And she was so precious with her little neck snuggled against my, my chest. I knew I could not put her back to bed. And this is what else I knew. They would never know, so don't ever tell them. But I rocked and rocked and rocked that sweet baby, singing over this child I love so much. And I was overwhelmed all of a sudden with a scripture that came to my mind that I didn't even know I knew. And it was Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17. The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. This felt like a magical verse of deep, passionate love of God for me. I wanted to grasp this verse with both hands and hang on. I wanted to breathe it in and savor it like the smell of my Sunday roast. I had this core thought growing up that to receive God's love, I had to do something. I had to be something. I had to perform in some way and produce something. But in that moment, something deep inside me changed. I relaxed in the stillness and the thought that as I was singing over the one I loved, that God was singing over me. It hit me that God didn't have a, store, a scorecard. He doesn't give grades or even do performance reviews. He doesn't label. He doesn't care about titles. He just loves us. And as his kids, he's singing over us right now. Gosh, it almost brings tears in my eyes thinking about that moment. I don't ever want to forget it. I want it to burn in my heart. It reminds me of this quote I recently read by Richard Rohr. Most of us were taught that God would love us if and when we change. In fact, God loves us so much that we can change. What empowers change, what makes you desirous of change, is the experience of love. It is the inherent experience of love that becomes the engine of change. I think that this love of God is so powerful, if we got it all at once, we would explode, like something from an Indiana Jones movie. So instead, we get at little bits of time, like laser beams coming straight to our hearts. I hope you can get one this very moment. It's a powerful engine of heart change. And that day, I had two thoughts. Thank you for letting me share them with you right now. The Lord your God is with you. He will quiet you with his love. You know, what does it mean for God to be with us? This truth, God with us, changes everything. 
It changes everything we are and everything we're not and everything we hope to be. It makes the difference between stress and rest in our, only one, in our one and only lives on Earth. John and Reese were fishing at Shackamack State Park on a beautiful summer evening. Reese asked his dad the same question that we have all asked at one time or another. Hey, Dad, is God here or is God somewhere else? My son paused and then he said to Reese, God is here, Reese. God is right here. The song, the love song in Jeremiah reminds us that the immense spaciousness of infinite true love transforms everything. It changes how we live our everyday lives. It grounds us and our world becomes a safe, enchanted place to be. The answer John gave Reese, God is here, is our answer. It's yours and mine, and it makes the difference in our lives. Jesus, whose very name means God with us, is here now, closer than the air we breathe. He is in all things, through all things, with all things, a part of all things. In him we live and breathe and have our being. Dallas Willard says, knowing God is with us is the basis of all physical, mental, and spiritual health. It reminds us that no matter what is going on in the world around us, this world is a perfectly safe place to be. And wow, we need to know that now because this moment in time we, we are experiencing together has made it crystal clear that we are all connected and we need each other as together we walk through our first pandemic. The COVID-19 virus is a picture of unpre unprecedented, unpredictable, uncompromising, unrelenting moments in history. For sure the time is scary. 11-year-old Reese walked in the house and he said, why is there a leaderboard on the TV showing death? That's freaky. Indeed, it is. This virus has felt to me like nature's fury ripping through our world. It changed our plans, endangered the lives of those we hold dear, leaving us homebound and confused, like a whirlwind changing everything in a way we couldn't have imagined a few months ago. Any chance you're like me, like and many that I've talked to in counseling calls recently, wrestling with emotions that have been buried deep in what my Nana would have defined as a tipsy-turvy, chaotic world. What I'm noticing is all those emotions that we have stuffed down, feelings that we maybe haven't had time to deal with, are projecting out of some of us right now, just like a baby who hurls unexpected spit up. They can show up on those close to us, leaving an abiding stain and a smell. As out of nowhere, disappointment can roar in with an earth-shattering thunder as we struggle with, this isn't how I thought my life would be. Lisa Turkist writes about it in a book she wrote called, It's Not Supposed to Be This Way, Disappointment. It's that feeling things should be better than they are, she writes. People should be better than they are. Circumstances should be better than they are. Finances should be better than they are. Relationships should be better than they are. Disappointment isn't proof that God is withholding good things from us. Sometimes 
It's his way of leading us closer. We've all stood by helpless and watched from a distance the death of hope, the collapse of a dream, the entombment of something or someone good. You and I have seen it in our lives and in our world, a world full of greed, world of fear, a world of hunger and violence and injustice. Those willing to stand firm when the ground in fear is shaking us are those who know what we know. God is here and God is with us. And we hang on to that anchor that we're not alone in the world and we're love and God is singing over us, for us. That makes us for us and for each other, which we need to be for such a time as this. And the body of Christ needs to rise up right now and be God's love in action. Jesus reminds us that we need to stay close. He said, remain in me and I'll remain in you. He compares it to a vine, giving life and strength to the branches so they can bear fruit. You know, the branch doesn't bear fruit by effort, struggling for sunshine and air. The fruit grows in the quiet. So, shh, let's pause for a minute. Let's just pause. Shh. What we know is the difference between stress and rest happens in the quiet. It's an ancient biblical wisdom that we can all share and understand. You know, Psalm 4610 has been called Luther's Psalm. It's a song that he was to sing in trouble when times were dark, when people were disheartened and sad. He was, he was accustomed to say to his fellow laborers, come, let's sing the 46th Psalm. This psalm is all about security with God, that God is our true home. And it's mostly written in third person. But you know, while I was studying to talk to you today, I had goosebumps when I was reading Psalm 4610 and realized that the 10th verse is no longer written in first person. It's in quotes. It's like God is speaking. And what he says is, be still and know. And what do we know in the stillness? We know the Lord is our God. Be still and know I am God. And that changes everything. Dallas Willard says in the stillness, when you get really quiet and you realize that God is near, it's like you're playing tag with God and God is saying to you, tag, you are not it. And that's such a, such a restful feeling to know that someone else is in control. You know, that thought that I had while I was singing over London, the experience of feeling that God was singing over me at the same time, to this moment makes me laugh. It calms my anxious spirit and it fills me with such joy. I want to splash it out of me into the world around me. It reminds me of my favorite picture and quote. May we be people that you're seeing here right now. My favorite quote, what lies behind us and what lies before us are tiny matters to what lies within us. May we be people who splash out living water in the world around us because we've been still and because we know. May we be a non-anxious presence in this anxious world. I, I'm going to end with this little piece from what Margaret Fenberg writes. I would hope people would look at the church and say this. 
Those people run in when everyone else runs out. We don't give up on the crumbling cities. Those people put an end to human trafficking. Those people are the ones who write incredible lyrics, pen unforgettable books, and create art that mesmerizes. Those Christ followers are the ones who helped my mom when she had Alzheimer's. They were kind to me when I was new to the area. Those people are the ones who led me to Jesus. So let's just take a few minutes right now. Shh, be quiet. And you're going to hear, you're going to meet one of my favorite people on the planet. And she's going to lead us into communion where we can remember that the Lord, the God that we love is with us right now, closer than the air we breathe. Hi, I'm London, and yes, it's true that my Nana rocked me until my feet drug the ground. Now is the time to know that God is with us. This morning as we celebrate communion, it doesn't matter whether you have grape juice and bread or you have coffee and crackers. Just remember that it's a time to be still and remember. This meal that we share is a time to remember that God is with us, that God loves us, and that God is good. This morning, my Nana, my Nana and I will be praying. May you know that you don't have to be anything or do anything for God to love you because he already does. May you be able to stand through the disappointment and the fear knowing you're not alone because God is with you. And may you splash out joy and peace and grace onto a dry and thirsty world. Let it be so, amen.